Welcome to episode 135 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. Have you had a chance to listen to the Toronto Fringe Roundup from this past Saturday? On Saturday, I sat down with a group of artists from a few Toronto Fringe shows, and we talked about their shows, Fringe in general, and what shows they've loved. And we'll do it again this Saturday, July 14th, and this time we will stream it live at 10 a.m. So watch the Stageworthy Twitter feed for the link to listen live. The episode will also be posted to the regular feed before noon on Saturday. If you want to drop me a line, I would love to hear from you. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. If you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at PhilRickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. My guest this week is Eliza Martin, whose site-specific solo play Harvey and the Extraordinary is on now at the Toronto Fringe Festival. So how was how was O? You performed that in the spring. In uh, last fall. Last fall. Actually. Okay. Yeah, it went well. Uh, yeah. It went well. I was excited. Um, it was my first like foray mm-hmm. into self-producing, mm-hmm. so I was definitely nervous doing that. I yeah, don't yeah. think that that is my strong suit, um, but it was such an education, which yeah. was great. Like was I it learned your first, a lot. Was it your first solo play or? O is, but it wasn't mm-hmm. my first time performing it. Okay. So O actually has like quite a long history. Okay. Um, but that was my first time self-producing. So. All right. <laughs> it, I mean, it is it is a, a pretty unique skill. It's one that it you end up doing it out of necessity rather yes. than because you particularly want to. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like it's such. It was so wonderful. Like mm-hmm. I learned so much, yeah. and I think everyone should do it just to learn. All oh, yeah, the yeah, things yeah. you can learn from it. Um, but it, it also clarified for me what I feel like my strengths and weaknesses are. Yeah. And and it taught me how to work on that. Like, I had yeah. to become strong at things that normally I'd be terrified of and oh, yeah. would run from. So. Like, the idea, like, self-promotion. I mean... Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 like, promoting this show. That's, like, the, 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 the thing I think that a lot of us are worst at. Is, yeah. Is talking about our, our work... And then if you want people to come and see it, you have to find a way to talk about your work when you really want to be like, oh, it's just a thing. There's nothing special, but you can't promote that way. Yeah, especially when you're, I find, in the middle of a process Mm. is the time when I am, you know, I'm creating. So I'm nervous. Mm. I'm going through my, like, daily Mm -hmm. mood swings of, like, oh, wow, this feels great. Mm -hmm. This feels terrible. This feels great. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that's just my, like, personal, private process on all my projects oh sure and that's just my own journey right but i think that we all have aspects of that you know um it's tough and that's the time to self-promote that's the time when you're getting on the internet and yeah and you want to promote because i was like i'm always been i've always been working with such wonderful people Mm -hmm. so i want to promote their work and it's so funny how we're so willing to speak up for others oh sure yeah. like I'm, I'm so in love with all of my co-creators yeah. and all of my um team members and so i want to promote their work mm. but i'm like it's my own work as well. oh, I know, I know. funnily like, enough i'm attached i should learn how to do it for myself too oh, and i know i know and stick it's, my neck it's so hard to do it's so hard to do um 
I always try to front load. Like, I'll do my poster long before I start oh, rehearsing. Because yeah. I know I can't, I can't do that while I'm going through all of the terrible things, you know? Yeah. So I'll try to write... Can I write a press release beforehand? Can I so do all these things? <laughs> that I learned from trial and error, but yeah. it's like that's how I have to do it now is is front load and then I don't have to worry about it. And then when I'm in the middle of it, everything is there that I just need to like for friends, for example, you just, I just like, ah, oh, here's all the things yeah. I need. Like five minutes, boom, everything's ready to go and I don't have to freak out. It's so smart. Yeah, that's like such a smart thing to do. I have not mastered that. But also, like, you know, I said I self-produced, but at the same time, like, it was such a team effort. Yeah. I look back and I'm like, truly the stuff that I was supposed to do as a producer, so much of it fell to like kind friends yes or yeah. or team members that were like don't worry like i've got that i'll hop mm. up and do that yeah which was like i was very very lucky yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um where so oh mm -hmm. if you want to describe that yeah um so essentially so O was my first solo show mm -hmm. and it follows an actress lee as she plays ophelia in a very uh Poor production of Hamlet. <laughs> like poor as in it has no money or it's a bad production? No, no, it's a bad production. <coughs> oh. and, and sort of just a bad situation for her. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of, in general, explores the life, the onstage and mm -hmm. offstage life of the ingenue. Right. So it's about the characters, who those characters are in plays, and then who plays them. Mm -hmm. Who yeah. those actors are who continually play those parts. Right. Um, and I'm really fascinated with that mm -hmm. and I kind of got hooked onto it um so I originally started working on O in 2014 when I really wanted to write something about Ophelia mm -hmm. like I'm very interested in Ophelia and yeah I was very attracted to all these like images of her and the way that we perceive her yeah um and so I did a workshop when I was still in school exploring some of the text mm -hmm. and some of how she's portrayed in other pieces and then I came away from it kind of <laughs> kind of shaken like I didn't necessarily love what I came out with mm -hmm. um, but the beautiful thing that I came up with was Ali Joy Richardson was in the audience who's a friend of mine and then two years later she called me up and she had a slot in the Paprika Festival and the okay. director's unit <clears throat> so she's one of the directors and she was like how would you like to do oh with me at the Paprika Festival mm. And uh, so we met for coffee and we kind of like jumped into this wild process of essentially like scrapping what I had before, which was what I wanted to do. Like I said, I kind of wanted to, yeah. to let go. It was, it was wonderful to inform what we had, mm -hmm. but I didn't feel like I wanted to use much of it. Mm. And then she pushed and encouraged me to write my own material. And then the two of us created the new version together. Mm, nice. Um, yeah. So that was in the Paprika Festival which was such like a wonderful, wonderful experience yeah. and such an education. Mm. Uh, it was terrifying and magical <laughs> all rolled into one. Um, yeah. It was very scary for me, but it was so special and important and in my that journey. was your first performing as a solo, performing a solo piece? Essentially, yeah. yeah. I mean, aside from exercises in school, yeah. it was my first... Um, and it was also my first time performing my own writing, right. which is why I was so terrified. Oh, oh, oh like absolutely. I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, but Ali was <laughs> such a rock, mm -hmm. and was the reason I did it, a hundred percent. But she 
like sparked in me this like love of doing it. And, um, and then that was, so that still is the heart of the piece. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, I have now extended it. And the most recent version was directed by Rebecca Ballerin. Uh, but now it's like a longer, Mm -hmm. uh, more kind of like fleshed out version just because in paprika we had a 30 minute slot yeah which was what we had back then it was perfect for what we had um and then i wanted to keep adding to it and exploring Mm. it Mm. so it's been like kicking ever since (laughs) what is it that made you want to perform a solo piece i think i've always been attracted to solo theater like there's such a beautiful challenge Mm -hmm. i always find it um like when i attend solo pieces i'm just I'm amazed at mm. what they come out with. Yeah. Like the, st- the way of storytelling, the storytelling methods that they mm-hmm. use yeah. are so creative Yeah, because you can't rely on things you normally would. Like I think about when scenes shift and change in other theater and, you know, even as something as small as an actor or like a unit of a scene, mm-hmm. right? An mm-hmm. actor enters or a character exits Yeah, or a, like, I don't know, like things that I find very traditional. Yeah. And then rethinking that. And having to scrap it and sort of say, okay, does this person become a new character? Yeah. Or is it um, a sound change or a lighting shift? Or does mm-hmm. this object that I'm holding become an entirely new object? Yeah. There's just so much creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was really attracted to that. And I think the reason I started thinking about it when I was still in school was because I wanted to be able to work on something mm. after graduating. Yeah. That I kind of had control over. Yeah. Just because I think there's so much waiting by the phone, or there can feel like there's so much waiting yeah. by the phone as an actor. And I wanted to know I had something of my own to think about yeah. and work on in my own time and put energy into. Yeah. Um, so I think it came from that, honestly. And then after that initial workshop in 2014, I didn't think it would go mm. anywhere mm. Uh, until Ali sort of rescued it. <laughs> <laughs> um you mentioned the terror of performing it the first time. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely, you know, I relate to that. The first time I performed my solo piece, The Commandment. Yeah. Um, I, I did it at Hamilton Fringe and I thought, oh, it's going to be such a great day. I'm going to go see some theater before I go to do my play piece. Everything's fine. And then I woke up that day and I was like, oh my God, I'm performing this in front of people today. Yeah. And the day turned into like this wreck of anxiety. Yeah. And I couldn't think of anything else, you know? Yeah. And... But after I did it the first time, it was so freeing. It's yeah, absolutely. You know? It's it's electrifying. Yeah. Like I think about um I I totally experienced that as well. But even just the moment of standing in the wing alone mm. and you're about to walk out and for me being like, I'm not gonna leave this stage yeah. mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. And I am entirely alone. Like nothing is so I know. It's like <laughs> we're we're trained we're trained for you know, it's okay. You know, if you lose your line, yeah. your partner can can help you. We're yeah. trained to be a unit. It's and true. then when you're doing solo, it's like, no, nope, mm-hmm. I got to get myself me. out of this. Yeah. So. And that in itself is such a challenge too. Mm-hmm. Like aside yeah. from the actual piece. Yeah. Um, just that feeling of like flicking the switch, mm. you know, walking on and then yeah. knowing you're not going to leave. Mm-hmm. It's only you. Yeah. And, and when you like play all those anxieties in your head, as we all do, of going like, Okay, yeah. that one moment that I get a little nervous about dropping that particular line, mm-hmm. what's going to happen if I do? Yeah. Um, and then having to live through it. Yeah. Like a lot of it was having Ooh. to like, live those fears yeah. and be like, and I survived. Yeah. And we do. And we do. And <laughs> yeah. I found it interesting 
and kind of addicting, actually, mm. to um, be able to take an audience on a journey just yourself. Yeah. Like, it's just, and especially if you wrote it, it's just you. Yeah. And it's your words, it's your acting, it's, you know, and you've taken them through this. And it's, it, I would, finishing each night just on a high. And then when it's done, just being like, I need any more mm-hmm. of this. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt that as well. <clears throat> yeah. It's it's such an interesting animal. Mm-hmm. Like, so theater in itself. Yeah. And it is, like, I you know, I keep talking about how terrifying my first experience was. Mm-hmm. And it was just because I have never done it. Yeah. And I think as a as a female in theater as well, we don't necessarily get given the same opportunities to carry shows, quote unquote, carry Mm -hmm. shows. Yeah. Um, And I think about like the number of times that I have, it's the same feeling of, of starting a show, Mm -hmm. but I have Mm -hmm. so rarely begun a show Mm -hmm. as like a female actor. Yes. It's so rare that I'm the one that gets to start. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it, it was that moment as well, like getting used to that feeling. Yeah. Was a very different thing. Um, and again, just knowing, yeah, it's it's all me. And yeah. I, I'm a very like I'm a very relaxed performer when it comes to working in an ensemble. Mm-hmm. I love working in a team, which yeah. is kind of funny, like mm-hmm. that I do so much solo theater yeah. now. But I love being in that team, and I find it relaxing to kind of volley. Yeah, I don't mind when actors like I, I like to pick up for people, sure. and I love when they pick up for me. Like it's just such a beautiful feeling. Yeah, it it totally is. It's just great and weirdly relaxing. And uh, entirely different in mm. solo theater. Yeah, because your scene partner is the audience. Yes. And they can't help you with your line. No. <laughs> it's like your scene partner doesn't know what's coming next, so yeah. they can't actually rescue you. Yeah, and I think I do think after a while you gain that piece again, mm-hmm. like you regain it. Yeah. Um, and suddenly, you know, there's that like wonderful feeling that you can feel on stage sometimes where you just like look out and there's just total stillness. Yeah. Yeah. And you actually become relaxed. But that took me a while. Mm-hmm. And it still takes yeah. me a while at the beginning of every piece. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I yeah. found the hardest thing was and I hadn't considered this until my director said it was, was that so since your scene partner is the audience you have to make eye contact with the people you can see yeah and i was like wait 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 with the audience (laughs) like those people yeah and no but he was right Mm -hmm. and i couldn't do it the first time i had to cheat yeah but after that i realized that he was absolutely right being like being on that stage and like connecting with people and it was the difference between talking at them and talking to them talking at them didn't draw them in but talking to them did it's true, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I found at the beginning that was, I would lose things. Mm. Like, I'd be so lost for a second. Mm-hmm. And because you're doing all this strange, like, acrobatic work in your head of like, oh, look, it's Sylvia. Oh, hey, Sylvia. I wonder what she's doing here. <laughs> I don't know, like, all this kind of weird stuff that we yeah. secretly do, I think, mm. sometimes. Um, and then later, I found, as you found, that, mm. it, like, they are, you know, the scene partner. They do... You do feel like you're talking to them. Yes, yeah. Eventually, not mm-hmm. at them, but I experienced the same thing. Well, it can be so hard because we're not used to talking to our audience. No. Um, our audience can be intimidating. Yeah. You know? like, and you, in most cases in, you know, Toronto theater world, you know them. You know, like, 90% of them, I sure. find. So I'm like, oh, look, sure. it's Aunt Judy or whoever oh. it is. But, you know, you always want... I, I understand the people who sit in the front row. They're like your friends and they sit in the front row. But I'm always like, could you not? Because mm. I'm going to look out and I'm going to see you. 
And my reaction is not going to be my character's reaction. I can't help but react to you. Yeah, it's hard you. to work past that. Yeah. It is, yeah. I feel like, again, that's like one of the things that slowly, slowly is coming mm. more easily to me. But I also love when it's an actor mm. because you can always tell. Because oh, they're like, as soon as you look at them, they like lean they forward in. and they start, to, <laughs> yeah. they start to try to work with you. Yeah, and they, they drop be there in for with you. you. Yes, it's really yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's always funny when it's like somebody who who isn't in theater and you look at them and they immediately fold their arms. Yeah. And they're like, no. Nah. Or they look away. Oh, yeah. I've had that happen so many but when times. But when, when that happened to me, I was like, okay, you're my new project for this whole show. <laughs> like, you are my guy. I do nothing but talk to you. Yeah. You know? And they weren't eventually. Mm-hmm. I think they're afraid that you're gonna add, they're, you're gonna make them do audience participation. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> Happily enough, yeah, in O, there's no audience participation that mm. a lot of speaking to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting because I don't know if you experience this, but I, as an audience member, really don't like audience participation. Oh, I hate audience participation. If I'm not on stage, I'm really happy to to not. I'm happy you know, to just watch. But the thing is that, like, audience part- because I know that I hate audience participation, I don't tend to put it in my show. It's so funny you say that because I had the entire. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's so fair. My second solo show, Harvey and the Extraordinary, yeah. is almost all audience participation. Uh, warning: uh, This show is in Toronto <laughs> Fringe, so if you were thinking of going it, there will be audience participation. Yes, it's it's flagged as such. On the, on the, they actually ask you to point it out. I've noticed. I've noticed in recent years that that's like one of the warnings that they'll give for yeah. show. This show has mature themes. Course language and audience participation. You're like, that's a warning now? Yeah, it's a warning. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it's pretty interesting. Mm. Yeah. So Harvey and the Extraordinary, mm-hmm. if you would tell me a little bit about what that's about. Yes. Um, so that show is, it's site-specific mm-hmm. and interactive. Okay. It's a solo show, and it's about an eight-year-old girl that puts on a mime performance in her garage. Mm-hmm. So you as the audience attend her performance. Mm-hmm. And then uh, once in there, she kind of takes you on this journey that's a little bit unexpected. Okay. And it, as a show, explores what it means to feel um, special and mm. extraordinary as a child. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And what was the what inspired this show? Um, so it's not autobiographical. Okay. But uh, it is very has anecdotes that are from my childhood. Okay. Um, as well as from the childhood of uh, Neil Silcox, who's my director, dramaturg, mm-hmm. co-creator. Um, and uh, I ended up writing it because I was at a talk with Haley McGee. You know Haley McGee? No. Um, she's a really wonderful solo theater creator. Mm-hmm. And she, I just she really inspires me, but she was kind of talking about um, just the like fearlessness of doing solo theater and... I'm really inspired by how she kind of pulls ideas out of anywhere and everywhere. Mm. And I think I, at this moment in time, I guess this was last winter, I had felt like I had been working for so long on O Mm. and doing all these different versions. And I just kept kind of running into walls with it. Mm -hmm. It's been a very long process. So it's been about four years now that I've Mm -hmm. been working on it. And I went home and I just was so like, revved up and inspired to just do something Mm -hmm. that would come quickly and easily and with the spirit of why not. Yeah. And so, um, I, as a child wanted to be a mime 
that was the way I ended up going into theater. Okay. Is because I was really obsessed with mime. And so I just thought, wouldn't it be funny if it was just about a girl who wanted to put a mime show on in her garage? Mm -hmm. And everyone just came to her show. And the show was the mime show. Mm -hmm. But like a terribly executed childlike version. Okay. Um, Which Mm -hmm. is not actually what the show has become. Okay. But that was sort of the impetus. Sure. And then I wrote all night. Like I just wrote, wrote, wrote. And a bunch of stuff came out. Mm-hmm. Not all of it stayed. Some of it did. Sure. And then the next day, I emailed uh, Neil Silcox. He's a good friend of mine and a former teacher, mentor, wonderful person. Um, and said, like, what do you think of this? Do you want to do something? Mm-hmm. And he was like, yes, I'm in. Nice. Um, and so that's where it began. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. it's, like, evolved, evolved, evolved ever since that. Nice. Um, and also was heavily inspired by my work I do. I work with children a mm-hmm. lot in early childhood education, arts education. And so the character Mimi, who's the main character, is like very much lifted from mm-hmm. a lot of my interactions mm-hmm. with them. Um, can we back up to the part where you wanted to be a mom when you were a child? <laughs> so I'm going to um, skip over that. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm, uh, what... What was the first mom that you encountered? I actually have no idea. Okay. I I really wish I could remember Mm. because it was huge for me. Like it was very much Hmm. my focus and goal. And I don't know. I don't know if it was in a movie. Uh, My stepfather really loved Red Skelton. Okay. And so I don't know if it was this sort of like clowny inspired Hmm. humor that I saw or if I saw some kind of street performance. I don't know. Wow. I'm, I'm not positive, but I was very... Um, obsessed with mime hmm. at a very early age hmm. and the tooth fairy used to leave me mime equipment <laughs> so I got which is like a big part of the show now okay. that happens for Mimi the character I received mime gloves from the tooth fairy and I got a little beret and I got a mime video cassette mime books like you name it wow um, some kids got toonies, but I you got, got what you really wanted I got mime equipment yeah, yeah. and then my parents um, I wonder, I, we've never really had a discussion about it. I wonder if they were like a little bit concerned or confused, <laughs> I don't know. but they ended up putting me into drama classes as okay. a child. And then I sort of mm. fell into it from there. So it was mime first. Yes. And then they were like, we don't know what to do with this. Let's yeah. put her into theater classes or to, to, to drama classes. Yeah, they're and like, let's broaden this. Yeah. This is weird. She need, we, need to, we need to start her talking <laughs> she keeps, about stuff. Yeah, she keeps walking her mime dog at parties. Yeah, it's and... really weird. She keeps walking in the wind. <laughs> she keeps getting stuck in this box. You know, She's all constantly blowing away. Were you any good as a kid as a mime? That I cannot confirm. No? I would like okay. to believe I was. Okay. We'll I got go with my that. siblings into it. Okay. They used to play mime sports. Mime? Okay. What are mime sports? <laughs> well, you know, simply a, a sport, such mm-hmm. as like badminton, and there were mime rackets and a mime birdie. <laughs> and so we would play a mime sport. Nice. And somehow someone would win and someone would lose. <laughs> you had to be a good uh, good teammate, good sport. Yeah, you totally did. Yeah. There, there could be no, no, I didn't, I didn't miss. Yeah, no, yeah, no. they were, they really went along with it. Nice. You should thank them for that. Now. You really should, you really should. <laughs> they, they, they taught you how to work with others instead of being a solo mom. They did, yeah. I'm a middle child, so I learned okay. from a young age. Yeah. I had that going. When you started doing drama classes, mm-hmm. um, at what point did you decide that, like, this was the thing that you were going to do with your life? You were going to do theater? <clears throat> I don't know 
that I had a particular moment.、Mm. I think it, I just always knew. I don't、mm. know. There's there are moments I've definitely had those like beautiful kind of cathartic moments where I'm、mm. like, oh wow, like this is it, like this is what I love. But I think I just always, I don't know. I think I just decided.、Mm. Somewhere along the mime phase, or and somewhere, somewhere you decided this is what you were gonna do, like for your life. Yeah. <clears throat> so you, yeah, and you don't remember,、uh, rem- like figuring out that you could do that for a living. No, <clears throat> I don't remember figuring that out. But I did. I grew up in Toronto, so I was exposed to、mm. theater from a very young age. My mom used to take me to YPT,、mm-hmm. and we would go to Soul Pepper. Yeah. Like I remember seeing the importance of being earnest when、mm-hmm. I was eleven. And I was obsessed.、Mm, and I went、yeah. to the library and I took out the importance of being earnest so I could read it on my own.、Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be Cecily. I wanted nothing more to, to be Cecily. <laughs> I was so obsessed.、Um, and so yeah, I was very lucky in that way.、Mm-hmm. Like my mom, I think they realized,、mm. hence the tooth fairy. Yeah. And they were really wonderful about feeding that. Yeah. Like I, you know, was. I don't know. I kind of did my own thing, but they understood that about me. And we went、yeah. to go see theater and.、Nice. Did a lot of reading. I read a lot and、right. a lot of plays and such growing up. So when you, what was like when you were in high school,、mm. and you know you sat down with a guidance counselor.、Yeah. Did you sit down with a guidance counselor? I did. Yeah, because、uh, when I, I sat down with、plan. my guidance counselor, counselor, and I they said, okay, so now we need to start thinking about what we're gonna do and、right. what you want to do after high school. And I said, I already know I want to be an actor. And they were like, um, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Because they were ready to be like, okay, so you can get a B, you can go to university, you can、right. do this, you know, engineering, all this stuff. They had all this stuff, and they had no idea what to do with theater or yes. actor. Yes, yeah, I didn't have that experience. <clears throat> Only, I mean, I went to so I went to Cardinal Carter Academy for、okay. the Arts. <clears throat> that、um, helps. It did help. That helps. It was yeah, they were they were fantastic. So they were not shocked. No, <laughs> I, I imagine not.、Um, and they did have the resources to point me in the right direction,、mm-hmm. which was wonderful.、Um, but at that time, I actually had already hilariously enough decided where I was going. <laughs> and okay, and where was, was that? It was so I went to the University of Toronto,、mm-hmm. um, the Mississauga campus,、okay. and it's the, called the Theater and Drama Studies Program.、Mm-hmm. So it's the University of Toronto and Sheridan College. I've had a few people come through here. Oh, amazing! Yeah, yeah. yeah, so you graduate with the、um, the BA from U of T,、mm-hmm. and then you have your acting diploma from Sheridan. Nice. And it's all in four years,、hmm. so it's like it's a wild four years. I can imagine. It's action packed. Yeah.、Um, But it was wonderful, and it was just for me. It was just what I was looking、mm. for, and I actually was pointed in the direction by Neil Silcox, <laughs> who is my like、uh, co-creator on Hard to Be Extraordinary. It comes full circle. It all does with me.、Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I had met him through the Toronto Youth Theatre.、Mm-hmm. He was、uh, he ended up becoming the artistic director of the Toronto Youth Theatre,、mm-hmm. and he was a mentor for me and a director. And he went to the same program,、mm-hmm. and so. I, you know, very much looked up to him and was like, "What a wonderful person!、Uh, what a great performer!" I had、yeah. seen his work as well, and knew I was going to apply there. And I was very much like a child or a young person that was about f- vibes and feelings.、Mm-hmm. Like I just sort of decided, I was like, "This is it, and this is what I will do." And it's not that I expected to get in;、mm-hmm. it's just that I felt that it was right. And、if you、so、had, very much did you have like, a backup? If were you like, if I don't get、oh, in, I this、did. is what I will do.、Okay. Yeah, I very much did.、Um, and my parents
though they they were very supportive. Mm. I'm the only artist in my family, mm. for the most part. Yeah. Um, my aunt is a musician, and she's wonderful. I have an uncle who's an artist, but mm. um, of my sort of generation, I'm the only yeah. artist. And so I applied to 10 universities, and I applied to three theater schools. Mm. And I... For some reason, I had decided that if I didn't get into theater school, again, this is the flaw of my strange system, mm-hmm. but I was like, it must be a sign. And then I won't go. Oh, my God. I know. Oh, my God. Um, which is so... Oh. <laughs> no, it's, it's very that's sad like, to that's look giving back me, on. That's giving me anxiety right now. Just like, yeah. the, if I don't get into university, I'm going to kill my dream. It, it, you know what? I look back and I'm like, oh, my goodness. How did I think like that? And older me doesn't at all, but mm. I did at the time. Mm. I just thought it must be a sign and I won't go. Mm. But I felt in my heart of hearts that I was like, I need to go to mm. the U of T, like the Theater Arendelle program, yeah. Theater and Drama Studies. Uh, and I got in and I went. So mm. that was a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but my parents also very realistically sort of said like, we want you to get a degree either way. Mm. So if you don't do theater school... You need to go and do something, mm. um, which I agree with. I appreciate yeah. them doing that because I love to learn and I, I knew I wanted to go to school either yeah. way. Mm. Um, and so I wanted to get a degree. So sure. I was happy I did. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, a lot of pressure. Looking mm. back, I'm like, mm. I can't even understand how much pressure I put on myself. Yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. So I guess I was lucky that I did get in. You got into the school that you wanted to, that you were like, this is the school for me. Yeah. It was very like, I got into, I got into the three, mm-hmm. but I knew I wanted U of T. Which three did you get into? Um, Windsor, Ryerson, and the U of T Sheridan. Okay. Yeah. I auditioned for, this was a long time ago. I auditioned for, for basically two theater schools. I auditioned for Ryerson. I auditioned for George Brown. Oh yeah. yeah. And I got into Ryerson and George Brown. Oh yeah. And I chose George Brown. Right. <clears throat> Um, I was glad I did it at the time because I heard about Ryerson doing the um, come stand on the stage in a bathing suit and we will tell you what's wrong with your body and I was like oh, no. I can't do that oh my god I'm not doing that yeah. no thank you wow so yeah I, um, I love the George Brown program mm. I actually wanted to mm. I wanted to apply there my, my parents unfortunately kind of they were like you need to get yeah, a degree yeah, yeah they yeah, pushed yeah. me away mm. um, which is which is totally fine it's everyone has their own path yeah um, but I also think I look back and I was really, I was very much a nervous mm-hmm. young person. Yeah. Still, I'm a nervous person. Mm. Um, I don't think I could have handled the idea that I wouldn't be invited back every year. Fuck, you know, I um, like I was scared, I'm, so I'm glad I yeah, didn't. No, and you but, know, the thing is that, I mean, and that's something that I didn't really think about mm. until I was in, uh, I started at George Brown and we started getting towards the Christmas break. Mm-hmm. The idea that there were people who were not coming back. Right. Um, and after that, after that time, and I stayed by the skin of my teeth, but that was just fear for yeah. the rest of, and you don't do your best work when you're afraid. That's what I worry would happen to me. Yeah. I, I'm sure for some people it like really invigorates them. Mm-hmm. It just does not for me. I would shut down yeah. and very, and much more, much more so as a young person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I went to yeah. school. I was still 17 mm, when I went mm. to school. Okay. And I, I look back and I was so young. Yeah. So young. And I felt so young and nervous and scared and like really had to work through a lot of stuff. I at guess at that school, point, so. most of the people that you were going into school with were 17. I mean, I have a late birthday. Yeah. So that was okay. sort of part of the reason. Um, but I, I find with theater school, a lot of people come in from different you know, their own background, different journeys. Yeah. And so we had an age range within my class. Oh, that's good. I was a bit jealous of the older, <laughs> the older people. I was like, I wish I had more perspective, but mm. I was just terrified. Yeah. It's funny because 
when I was in theater school, most of us were like right out of out of high school. Yeah. Maybe somebody had taken a year off, mm-hmm. and one person was thirty and had lived and come come in. And they were a favorite of our acting teacher, yeah. who often said to us, "I wish I could have you at thirty. <laughs> You're just so young." And we were like, "Yeah, but teaches." <laughs> but anyway, um, and so all of that has taken you to solo performance. Yeah. And did they talk about solo performance when you were at school? Did they talk about that at all, or not or even self producing? Uh, you know what? Self-producing a bit. My program mm-hmm. was really wonderful for um, for instilling this kind of DIY attitude mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. us, which was great. So we all learned the first two years of our program. We actually learned the technical side of theater. Mm-hmm. So we all needed to tech the main stage shows. Mm-hmm. So I was set crew for two years, if nice. you can imagine. <laughs> I had a pink hard hat mm-hmm. and I rocked it. Um, all right. I really enjoyed it though. It was nice. it was wonderful to learn, and I think it's super important mm-hmm. um, yeah. because it just gave you a wonderful respect for the people that do those jobs. Yeah. And in many people, it inspired them to pursue that. Yeah. A lot of people did that as well, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, so they were really great for giving this like well-rounded mm-hmm. understanding of the theater world. Um, and we actually had a project in our third year of school where you had to create your own solo show of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was based around your greatest fear or okay. weakness. Hmm. So it was a different, for me, a very different exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in that, I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I'm I'm surprised that you decided to do a solo show at all then. I mean, I didn't. it wasn't that I didn't enjoy doing it alone. I think it was that it was based around my biggest fear and weakness. Oh, and as okay. I said, yeah, yeah. like I was a very nervous person and I mm. did feel very young in mm. theater school. I still feel very young yeah. in many ways, but I mean, I had a lot of learning and unlearning to yeah. do. And so I was, it was hard for me to go in it alone. And the point was that you had to do it alone. Right. So the way that like I praise, I like give so much credit to the teams that I work in yeah. because they absolutely carry me. Mm-hmm. Like they are, they make it possible yeah, yeah. because they all know so much what they're doing and mm-hmm. I rely on their knowledge. Yeah. Um. And then when I was in school doing that, it, it was just you. And they, you know, at the time back when I was doing, I think it's, it's definitely changed since, but at the time you weren't supposed to show anyone. And a lot of people didn't want to talk about it really. And there's okay. this sort of air of secrecy <clears throat> because I think it was based around your fear or weakness. Right. And so you did feel really alone or I felt really alone. Again, some people I'm sure really thrived. Were you told not to talk to people about it or is that just something that, that... it was, I think it was more the culture of, of, um, mm. Of each class. My mm. class wasn't so much like that. Yeah. They're pretty, pretty like friendly group mm. of goofs. Um, but we weren't allowed to show it in its entirety to anyone. Huh. So a lot of us sort of got, we like sought out help or advice from older students yeah. or um, from professors, but mm. we weren't supposed to show the full piece to them. Mm. So it was really, I found it really isolating. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, I think I would be in the same boat with that because... Yeah. First off, if the culture is basically don't talk about it, now you are building up the fact that you are going to reveal to everybody what your greatest fear is yes. for the first time. And and it sort of implies that you're going to conquer it. Yes. You know what I mean? Like there's this yeah. expectation that you're going well, to do something you, that's like mind-blowing. Yes. And now, and because of this, I no longer have my fear. Yeah. And that's not really how fear works. Not at all. No. Not at all. And it's, 
it didn't at the time it's kind of sad but i think about your classmate with like mm-hmm. the idea of being 30 and yeah i wish i could do theater school at 30 oh fuck i wish i could go back yeah or i wish i could do that exercise honestly mm-hmm. since i did it mm-hmm. i had to heal for a while yeah. <laughs> but after that mm-hmm. i wish i could do it every year because now i'm a person who wants to dig into that Mm -hmm. and I feel healthy and ready to do it Mm. but at the time I just like what I gained from it was that I thought I was going to die Mm. essentially like I thought nothing was scarier Mm. and on the day I showed up yeah I walked on stage I did something yeah (laughs) no memory of what Mm. and I walked off stage and I lived and that's what I gained sure so I think other people had a different experience where they were like wow like I, you know, I, I feel like I really opened something within myself. I stood up there loud and proud. I did this. I did that. And for me, it was that I got through something yeah. I was so terrified of. Mm. And I, I woke up the next day. <clears throat> that was my, that was my deepest fear when and was, I did it. <laughs> but when it was done, when it was done, like, did you feel like it busted you open or like, because you mentioned that you had to heal after. Was yeah. it, was it rough? Was it difficult to reveal that about yourself to people at the time? It, I, it wasn't only mm. because I didn't reveal what I thought I was. I didn't think that was my fear. Like, I thought my fear was something else. I was going at it with, like, the content. Mm-hmm. I dug into content that was really upsetting to yeah. me. Like, it was very um, violent. Mm. A lot of, like, sexual violence. Yeah. Just stuff that's really, really hard and, like, harrowing mm-hmm. to present on stage and to, to do as a performer. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was my challenge. And it, it was challenging. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and actually, I think my challenge was working against myself, mm. was just like being in a room alone mm. and and looking at this huge thing that I felt like I was going to be judged so harshly on. How could I possibly do it? Mm. And then showing up and doing it yeah. and going home and going to bed mm. and getting up and realizing the sun rose again yeah. like, and living my life. And I it was helpful, ultimately, because yeah. I was like, well... <clears throat> You know, I think we build up those challenges so yeah. much in our minds. And then when we actually live through them, we're like, okay, yeah, I did it last time. You're going to live again. You're going to be all right. You're going to live through this one, yeah. you know? So that was helpful. But I, I really, I did struggle. It's not what I thought I was going in there mm. to do. Mm. And it's not, I think it took me a long time to understand that. Yeah. It took mm. me probably years, in fact, to walk mm-hmm. away and be like, you did your challenge. Your challenge was to take all of that fear and just mm-hmm. and do it anyway yeah and to realize you're okay and catch yeah. yourself mm-hmm. to be able to catch myself yeah was um surprising and like really important mm. to me hmm. and so that piece is not the piece that you eventually performed it's not you filed <laughs> that away i did and never looked back no no and that's you know that's nothing wrong with that because no, that was yeah. an exercise at school it wasn't it was. something that you were necessarily uh supposed to turn into anything more yeah it didn't it didn't all it didn't feel like my piece yeah i i had so many great friends who um did pieces that i think they felt it in the room Mm -hmm. as they did them and uh the way people responded it was a piece that i was like you need to do this again Mm -hmm. you need to take this and i don't think they expected it but it kind of blossomed yeah and for me, it didn't. Hmm. It's a wonderful play. It's just, that's not my piece. Yeah. And I worked really hard to, like, shift my voice. Mm. Well, I was in theater school to challenge myself and to try and, yeah. you know, be this sort of, like, every woman vehicle. 
And when I came out of school, I think I decided I should just celebrate who I am and go more into yeah. that. Well, I mean, they do. I mean, theater school does tend to encourage a certain blandness. Yeah, you know? in a funny way. And I don't know. I, I've, you know, since I was in school, I graduated in like nine, nine, and um, I always like I look at some of the people that I I, I work with or that I I've, I've talked to on the podcast, and they seem like such individuals in a way that yeah. that I don't think that was encouraged at a certain point. Yeah. Um, and but maybe that hasn't gone away that we're they're still teaching people or trying to convince people to be mm. be anything when you walk into that room. And I don't yeah. think you can be I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Mm. Like I know my own experience because but it's hard to know how much of that was me, yeah. to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. I'm very much, and again, going to school so young, but at heart, such a people pleaser. Yeah. Like, I really had to dig into that. Mm-hmm. Because my experience in theater school was working, and I love to work. I love to study. Yeah. I love to, mm-hmm. you know, very much a good student thing. Yeah. Where I worked so hard to fit into all the, like, nooks and crannies and mm-hmm. make myself into the things I saw rewarded. Yeah. So I worked really hard to do that. And then I thought later in theater school and when I got out into the world, I was like, oh, wow, that doesn't reward anyone, number one. And number two, it doesn't feel rewarding. Yeah. Like it didn't feel good. Yeah. But I didn't know it at the time. I think I needed a lot of like perspective sure. to look back and see that. Yeah. But I, it's hard because you're being marked, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something for a person like me that I could not get away from. No, no. I was like, I want to do my very best and like get great marks. Yeah. And, do all this stuff and are you really doing the best for your art? Mm. Or are you really opening up yourself as an artist? I don't know. It's so hard because theater school can have such a profound effect that can take years to deal with. Yes. I can remember finishing theater school and I think for about 10 years I was still trying to impress my acting teacher oh, at theater school. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And you respect them. Like yeah. I, I had so many fantastic teachers who I cared for and respected. Yeah. And they come see my work, and I'm so aware of them in the room. Like, you can't... It's so hard to get rid of that. I never want to know. Oh, I yeah. I never want to know. <laughs> uh, and, and, and good stage managers that I've had have been like... Don't tell like, him. They will be... They'll, like, come into the room before, and they'll be like... Or even if they're really smart, like, before we get to performances. Do you want to know when there's somebody in the room? Do you want to know if there's a reviewer? Yeah. Or, and a, or a, a Derek Chua or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. do you want to know? And my answer is always, no, I'm going to find it after. Yeah. Or maybe if I'm talking to the audience, you know, while I'm on stage, that's okay. But I don't want to freak out beforehand. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's true. I sort of, I feel the same about it. I like, I like when I get the wink that there might be someone yeah. that I'm, I'm nervous for. And usually I've been lucky because, um, I have, I've worked with a lot of stage managers who, who know me quite mm-hmm. well. Like, mm-hmm. One of my uh, dear friends, Lucy McPhee, uh, stage managed oh several times now, and um, and so you know I'm very lucky because she's a friend, and I've been lucky mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. So people know me, and I think they know what would suit me best, <laughs> which is really nice. So That's I nice. kind of like to know maybe if if I have a reason to be nervous, mm-hmm. but I don't want to hear names. I don't yeah. want to literally know who that person is. I or... honestly don't know if I want to know at all. Because if, I, if I have a them. reason to be, if I have a reason to be nervous, <laughs> yeah, then I'm gonna freak out. I'll play like oh, all fair, these, fair. these games in my brain, like who could it be? Who could it be? Who could it be? Yeah. And I'm I'm gonna mess up. 
I don't mind the question mark. I mm. find it a little bit exciting. <laughs> but if I know a name, I will mm. think about it. Okay. Which I don't like. No. I don't like really to... Mm. I just, I'm scared of seeing. Yeah. I'm scared of like looking out and, and talking to the audience, being like, oh, wow. Yeah. That's no. that person. And I had... the when, when I was performing The Commandment, I knew... It was that it wouldn't work to have me like walk out on stage. So I knew I had to right. come from the back of the house. Yes. And because of fringe, I couldn't like really wait outside. Mm-hmm. So I had to wait at the back. And so I had devised this whole like, I am I am wearing a hoodie with the hood up. I've got my <laughs> earphones in so I can't hear any voices. Like I will be in my own world because oh, I wow. couldn't deal with the idea of like performing that play. And beforehand being like, oh, hey, Phil, how you doing? Hey, good to see you, whatever, or whatever. Yeah. Or even seeing, the, like, somebody that I knew. I yeah. just couldn't deal with it. That's very fair. You know, yeah. Yeah, it's funny because in the workshop we did of Harvey and the Extraordinary last summer, mm-hmm. um, it's very much, so it is interactive. Mm-hmm. And Mimi, as a character, sort of greets the audience as they come in. Mm-hmm. And that was funny, too. Like, it was sort of my personal start. Yeah. Was different than the actual show start. Yeah. It was, you know, however much before I was already in character interacting. And and it was funny because the workshop was sort of, it was kind of a small private workshop. So a lot of my peers or um, theater makers who I like loved and respected. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because they weren't necessarily sure walking up towards the space. And it's right. this like lovely garage space that has been lovingly given to us yeah. by uh, our friends Sarah and Jeff. And as they were coming up to the space, they could see me. But I think they're doing, you know, this kind of... They're doing... Am I supposed to see you? Yeah, am I supposed yeah. to see do I Do I greet you? Do I... What oh, am I supposed she, to do Oh, is she here? in character? Or is there yeah. just no backstage area? Mm-hmm. Or... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I watch them putting that together. Yeah. And then they walk up and I'm greeting them in character. So it's yeah. kind of funny, like, watching that negotiation. Mm-hmm. It's thrilling, actually, as an actor. <laughs> what did you learn from the workshop that informed uh, Harvey and the Extraordinary for this iteration? I learned so much. Honestly, it was a gift to have an audience because it is so interactive. Mm-hmm. It was necessary. Yeah. Um, so that was really important just to feel it. Mm-hmm. And then that made it very clear what parts of the audience interaction, uh, what what are those bits worked and what didn't. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we actually had audience members do these little feedback forms, which were really hilarious <clears throat> and charming and they were in character. Um, so Neil and I wrote those and we had a ton of fun doing that. Right. And they were sort of this like silly way of, of getting at what we wanted, which was to hear what their experience was like as an audience member. And they were really helpful. Mm. Like we took Mm. so many of the thoughts and comments, all all of them in in a big sense, but you know, we took so many of those and plugged them into the new version. And I've since been doing a lot of rewriting and reworking with Neil. And then we have come out with, a slightly longer, yeah, I think ever so slightly longer version. Mm-hmm. And then sort of plugging in a bunch of the notes and thoughts mm-hmm. from the audience. So, like, they were integral, really, yeah. to the new version. Are you in the same garage for Fringe this year? Yes, I am. And how, what's its proximity like to the uh, Fringe neighborhood? It's actually, it's a few blocks from the patio. Oh, that's great. We're so lucky. You're yeah. very lucky. That's we're great. We're incredibly lucky. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we're hosted by some wonderful people, nice. and uh, Cardinal Funeral Homes have given us their like accessible washrooms across the street. Nice. So it's um in an alleyway. It's okay. off an alleyway called uh, College, the College Way, mm-hmm. College Place Alleyway. No, I'm gonna mess it up. Anyway, okay, a few blocks okay. from the Fringe Patio. People will be able to find it in the Fringe program. 
And there will be, yes, they will. Yeah. And there'll be hilarious child made signage uh-huh. in the neighborhood. Nice. So don't you worry. Okay. <laughs> uh, Eliza, where can we find you online? Uh, so I have a website, as you know, mm-hmm. www.elizamartin.ca. Mm-hmm. And um, on Twitter, I am Lizy Doolittle. Mm-hmm. So at Lizy Doolittle. Nice. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you for having me. This has been a Homebody Productions production.